Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, for today's podcast, we're joined kindly once more by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us today. Hello, John. Good to be back. So myself and Alan have three equities we're going to discuss as usual. But before we do that, Alan, let's have a look at probably the biggest story out there today in markets, and that is the results of a number of tech stocks overnight, in particular, looking at Apple and Alphabet. Real bumper results um, from them. Apple's sales in the most recent quarter was $81.4 billion, up 36% on the same period last year. Profit was $24 billion, up from $13 billion in the same period last year. Apple, the owner of Google, the parent company of Google, sales were $61.9 billion in the most recent quarter. And that's up a massive 62% on the same period last year. So smashing the expectations there from Wall Street, Alan. But yeah. we're seeing shares down this morning. I'm looking at this and thinking, are we seeing a situation potentially where we saw these companies rally strongly during the pandemic, obviously um, people moving online, spending a lot more time with their technology on, the, on their phones, the Google searching, whatever it may be. We've seen a significant increase inactivity in these companies and we did see a a strong rally throughout the pandemic however now um, we're seeing very good results and and the market's really um, showing a bit of disappointment there in the shares with them down do you think it could be a a situation that now we we've had um, some of the bumper results from companies and it, it might not just be these tech companies it could be other companies as well is that people start to move forward and shift their attention to what's next and it could be a period of soggy growth so if we start to see these shares slip and sell off as we saw them drive the markets higher during the pandemic could we see these companies drive the markets lower as we move out of the pandemic towards a situation of more tepid growth than people may be expecting i don't know necessarily about lower john um i think the uh, of course, the markets never go up in a straight line. Um, and as you rightly pointed out, I mean, th- those are phenomenal figures, both from Apple and 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 Google, you know, with um, with with those levels of growth, you know, on what are huge sales numbers anyway, just it just um, gives you a sense of how vast these companies are and um, and and how embedded their technology is in our everyday lives. But um, so so the the uh, of course they would have flagged up those that those increases in sales um, in trading updates uh, earlier earlier during the cycle um, the markets have risen on the back of that and now of course those numbers are out there there'll be a little bit of time until the next set of results comes out but um, as I said the market never goes out in a straight line so I think we're going to see a period of consolidation maybe a, maybe a bit of a pullback and then we'll get to to a higher low if you like so um if you look at uh, normal cycle you'll see a series of highs and lows but um usually across the year if um if we're seeing a steady a steady growth trend 
then you'll see a series of higher lows. So I think uh, we're in, we're in the summer months in the northern hemisphere too, of course. So um, so I think uh, summer consolidation is probably where we're at now, and um, we'll start to move again on some of the big uh, trading updates that we see um, in quarter three. I mean, g- given the the rally that we've seen in U.S. indices compared to those in Europe, particularly the FTSE 100. Yeah. Do you think that there's a case going forward for the rest of 2021 that we see an outperformance of the FTSE 100 given its exposure to commodities when compared to indices like the NASDAQ and the S&P 500, which are very tech heavy, uh, especially with the names that we mentioned there, massive constituents of those mm. uh, indices. You know, If we start to see uh, investors looking at tech stocks and thinking, okay, they've had a good run. We're going to hold into them, but we don't see too much upside. Do you think that we start to see people shift to the FTSE 100, which actually has quite a high dividend yield as, as an index? And obviously certain names in there, um, I think it's about 4% average. Obviously certain names in the FTSE 100 have a much higher uh, dividend yield than that. Do you think that we start to see a shift you know, from global investors, not just investors here in the UK, mm-hmm into the UK market as they start to seek uh, income in a period where they may not see uh, as much capital appreciation on some of the you know tech stocks that we've discussed there yeah certainly yes yeah that uh, that's that's very much the case with um with, with dividend stocks I think that's um it, it's the, the, the footies have always been a bit of a bellwether in that regard um and I know I keep on banging the drum about this every week but um but we're looking we're looking of course uh, at w- we've seen a, a correction in the commodity sector really over quarter two. Um, as we head now into quarter three, um, I think we're going to start to see uh, a resurgence in that number because, uh, as I've said before, and um, but I'm, I've, I fervently believe this to be the case, um, asset uh, purchasing is continuing at a rate of nuts, rate of knots, and um, indeed, there's a um, news out this morning uh, looking ahead to the Bank of England meeting next week. Um, it's expected to keep stimulus me- measures running at full speed uh, going forward. So that has the net effect of uh, deflating fiat currency, um, and of course, um, if there's a deflation in fiat currency, then uh, better value can be found in precious metals um, and, of course, in other commodities too. So I think we'll see a resurgence there. And obviously, some of the bigger um, commodity stocks uh, do pay a decent dividend too. So, so I'm sure there'll be um, there'll be uh, um, every reason for investors to head for the FTSE 100. But we're seeing we're seeing strong performances in other areas too. I mean, we're going to talk about Barclays in a minute. A very strong set of results from. Barkers this morning, and also some of the other major investment banks have also performed strongly too. So, um, so yeah, I, I fully expect to see. I, I think, given the size of Apple and Google's combined market cap, it's inevitable that if they have a good or a bad day, then the market generally moves in the same direction. But, um, but certainly, certainly um, uh, going forward, I, I would expect a correction. But uh, I do expect a, a strong end to quarter three. And a strong quarter, quarter four. You know, maybe this time, maybe this year, we will get a proper Santa rally. Who knows? Yes, indeed. The statistics behind a Santa rally in recent years hasn't been as strong as they once were. But that's going to be interesting to see whether we see that uh, this year. So you mentioned Barclays there, Alan, and indeed that's the first stock that we're going to discuss today, and it's particularly 
relevant because I've mentioned dividends there in the FTSE 100. Barclays have actually upped their dividend. Um, they're up 3%, 3-4% on the day, up 20% year to date. So what does their recent update this morning look like, Alan? Well, they, uh, they delivered a, a really strong rise in pre-tax profits. Um, uh, the, the consensus was for profits of 1.7 million in the second quarter after uh, most uh, lockdown restrictions were lifted. But that's it's, they've actually blown that out of the water with profits of 2.6 million. Um, and um, that's up from 359 million, sorry, 2.6 billion. Uh, not not million. Uh, 1.7 billion was the expectation. 2.6 billion was delivered, and that's up, of course, from 360 million last year. Um, so you know, a really a really strong performance. Um, and uh, and and of course, the the bank is still flagged up going forward. The the uncertainties um, subject to the evolution and persistence of the COVID pandemic. But um, regardless, they're going to spend half a billion buying shares back from investors and pay out a half-year dividend of 2p, which um, is very welcome, and I'm a shareholder of Barclays too, so I'm delighted about that. And I've always felt, looking at the big four, as it were, Barclays, I think the the book value of Barclays is somewhere in the region of, uh, of, of 280 pence, 290 pence, and of course here we are at uh, 100, well, t- uh, today the share price is, of course, uh, um, well ahead, uh, we're, at, we're trading at uh, 1. Uh, 176 pence, up 4%. Um, and if you look at the chart over the past year, we're still off year highs of 190, but still a long, long way behind that uh, that book value estimate of about 280p. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, with the return of this dividend, Barclays is going to be very much uh, um, uh, um, back, in, back in, in vogue Certainly, for funds uh, looking to invest into dividend yielding stocks, I think Barclays um, is a very good and a very strong addition to that, and that's largely due to the performance of its uh, investment banking arm, which um, uh, and the investment banking division uh, reported a fifty-two percent rise in profits to one point six billion. So, you know, of the two point seven, uh, sorry, the two point four billion. Um, uh, sorry, two point six billion uh, profits. That's uh, that's a big chunk. Um, that's a big chunk of the of the um, the uh, the performance. And I think um, Barclays, but that's what that's really been Barclays' key to driving profits and driving growth. It's investment arm, and uh, we've had uh, we've had some uh, some issues in the past with the way they've gone about it, but. Uh, under the stewardship of Jez Staley, who's been in place now for some six, seven years as CEO. I think they're doing a great job. And of course, Jez Staley's background is in investment banking. So um, going forward, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Barclays do offer a, a great prospect for growth. And of course, um, the the fact that uh, they've now um, uh, increased the dividend for this for this uh, this quarter, it's going to be a very attractive stock, both for retail and for institutional investors. So and with the banks, Alan, of course, we've seen the update from, from Barclays there and they've increased their dividend. I mean, do you think there's now a clear path for them to start regularly increasing their dividends um, so they start to get back to be real powerhouses for income investors? Or do you still think there's, there's a few issues there, uh, legacy issues, obviously we're not out of the pandemic, mm. which may halt that and it, and it may be a slow, drawn-out process? Or do you think this is something that could happen pretty quickly 
over the next quarters that they uh, incrementally increase their dividends? I, I think I, I think it depends on on the mix uh, and the way the business is structured. And I think Barclays uh, profits have invariably over the years been driven by its investment banking uh, division, um, and that was that's that division today has driven the majority of Barclays uh, profits for quarter two. So um, so I think Barclays is certainly it certainly has a strong investment case. When you look at other banks which are more UK centric, such as Lloyd's, and of course Metro Bank, the, uh, the Challenger Bank too. Um, you know the, these these companies have large legacy overheads, and um, they don't have significant investment banking divisions to to um, to, to to really add uh, add profits and, um, and and give them give them greater opportunities for growth. So um, it, it, while many view those as cash cows, I I don't see. I, I think there's some scope for upside, but um, I don't think that I don't think the other banks offer the scope for upside that uh, Barclays does right now. Indeed, it's going to be interesting to see what the rest of the banks produce in terms of earnings as they report over the the coming week. I'm sure something will be updated in the podcast with next week when we have uh, more results from the banks. So moving on now, Alan, we have two commodity companies, both I believe uh, have been mentioned and discussed on the on the podcast and both have quite a interesting portfolio of assets that they're working on so to start with power metal resources headed up by paul johnson has been on one of the uk investor magazine virtual conferences before uh, particularly exciting portfolio of assets that they're operating on a global basis alan so what's the latest update from them well it's a bit of a head scratcher. This as to why the share. Pro- I mean, the share price is uh, is slightly up today. It's a one point nine nine p, just below two p, giving the company a market capitalization of twenty three and a half million. But when you look at the operationally what they have around the world, um, frankly, I'm staggered. It's uh, it, it's anywhere near this low. It, it 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 seems odd. And you know, Paul and his team have. Uh, painstakingly built this business um and it literally straddles the globe in terms of the uh, the the projects it's involved in i'm not going to go into each one because there are there are so many of them but i'm um suffice to say they have uh two major uh projects in australia the victoria goldfields project uh where where of course there are many other uk companies operating including ecr minerals um they also have uh, they have an asset in the Patterson province, not far from the Rio Tinto Winnow mine. Of course, the the Greatland Gold um, and New uh, and Newcrest uh, Haveran mine. Um, then we come to Botswana. There are um, there are four projects in Botswana. Um, there are joint ventures uh, on two major projects um, with Kavanga Resources um, and uh, Kenya Resources has been set up and will IPO separately and that will contain um, two assets um, one being a key copper asset in the Kalahari copper belts um, where there are two major prospects which um, look set to yield large amounts of copper and I think that's going to be the value driver certainly in the near term but we heard this week uh, I mean all uh, this week um, uh, today in fact another um, project in Botswana the Tati project. Um, the company announced that uh, it had agreed to acquire 
100% of the licenses or, or the license options they had there. And that's a major gold and nickel prospect. Um, the due diligence has been done. The team are very excited about the potential there. Yesterday, we uh, moving to Canada now. There are uh, two assets in Canada, the Shriver Hemlo projects on the north coast of Lake Superior or the uh, the north northern end of Lake Superior and that's close to the Barrick Hemlo mine and other mines in that region and yesterday we heard about the Silver Peak project where where work has been restarted following um, what what uh, Paul himself described as bonanza uh, grade silver finds in the work that was undertaken last year. Um, we then come to the DRC there is a copper copal project called the Kasinga project which uh, Power Metal owns 70% of. Um, and in Tanzania, we have the Haneti Nickel and Copper Project, 35% owned, 65% is owned by Katoro Gold. And in the USA, we have uh, the Alamo Project with an opportunity to earn up to 75%. And then um, two recent acquisitions, and earn up to earn up to 100% at the Golconda Summit Project um, and the Garfield Stonewall Projects. And these are in Nevada, um, uh, which provides a bit of an overlap uh, with tertiary minerals that I'm going to talk about in in a second. But um, any one of these projects coming to fruition um, could, in terms of its value, dwarf the current market cap of power metal. And um, I think that's the exciting thing. You know, when you're investing in a small cap mining company, um, obviously you want growth, you want development. Um, and uh, but uh, but sometimes, of course, you know, you if there are one or two key projects or flagship projects the company is working on, um, and they don't work out, then of course, uh, you know, investors are often left holding the baby, as it were. Um, so it it's uh, it, it it can be difficult with power metal. You've got this absolute spread of risk. I mean, there are thirteen different projects that uh, um, I, I cited there, all at various stages of development all being worked on. They've all got teams on the ground, working, evaluating, developing, drilling. Um, and any one of these could come to fruition at any time, as I say, dwarf the current market cap. And I don't think there's anything offering better value in this in the mining sector right now. And earlier, of course, you know, I mentioned the fact that uh, we've seen this pullback in mining stocks during the second quarter. Um, but the underlying case for commodities is stronger than ever. Um, and I think with the spread of opportunities that power metal has, um, the, the exposure to to gold, to nickel, to copper, to silver, platinum group metals, um, lithium, and 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 others. That there are there are so many so many projects um, that could could come to fruition. I don't think there's anything on the market at this level offering better value right now. So people will obviously be listening to this Adam, and thinking, what well, you know. Uh, an exciting portfolio of assets that they're working on there. But indeed, as you touched on at the beginning, the share prices has, has drifted um, and, and has posted incremental declines over the last few months. I mean, what, what do you think the reason is behind this? Because people will be scratching their heads and thinking if they're doing, you know, all of these different projects and working on them and, and um, creating value from them potentially in, in the future, obviously that there's a potential there. A huge upside. I mean, do you, do you think it's a case that there's concerns about financing, um, concerns about um, the strength of, of some of these assets? I mean, what, what do you think it could be for people that are listening to this and thinking, okay, great, um, it sounds all, all very good, but the market isn't reflecting that at the moment? I mean, what do you think is probably driving that? 
there has been a a sectoral malaise over quarter two, and it's it's pulled um, most of the uh, small cap mining stocks back. Um, and I think it's it's just they the the stocks had a very strong run last year. So so just as you know, we were saying at the start with the tech stocks driving higher, and then of course uh, that pullback. What what we've seen during quarter two is is a pullback um it's a pullback in stocks because they the um the stocks powered ahead um over over the past year um because of the the strength of of um commodities and uh, the recognition that commodities in a world where currency is being weakened due to um um monetary easing by governments around the world um uh, there's the, the underlying case for commodities is very strong. That's unchanged, and I think we've just seen um, a consolidation, uh, not not a correction. We've seen a consolidation in the sector, which has led to the uh, the the mining stocks falling back, and all of them, without exception, have come back. So um, so now we're looking again at the investment proposition of each company, um, and I think given the spread of risk, given the size of the company. Um, and the number of projects within the group, I think um, Power Metal is far better positioned to deliver than any other company of its size. Indeed, certainly one worth having a look at there. So moving on now, you mentioned tertiary minerals. That's the next one. Again, looking at the share price here, Alan, as you said, the sector's um, given up some ground over the past uh, couple of months. That's the same case with with tertiary, but actually looking on a technical basis, uh, we're coming back to a nice level of support here on the uh, on the chart. Um, in addition to that, there's been a number of updates. Um, what do they look like? Well, tertiary has had uh, a, a, an interesting year, and of course, uh, significantly um, um, a month or so ago, it announced a silver find at the pyramid silver and gold project in uh, in nevada um now of course there are there are a number of um of uh, um uh, assets within the group um tertiary of course initially known for its first bar um it has uh, ownership in the uh in the kalkanen project um which of course is is in finland this is the the, the gold project which um which has uh sorry not the kalkanen project i'm talking about the no, I'm, I'm talking the the Calcura project, which uh, is uh, um, being uh, run and operated by uh, Orion Resources, um, and uh, the 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 asset was sold to Orion um, back in back in uh, four or five years ago, and um, Orion has been uh, recently started work on the mine. Um, on, on 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 testing the ground and 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 uh, undertaking drilling work. Um, and if there is a fine there, gold fine, then of course tertiary stands to um, to uh, earn a net smelter royalty and indeed um, a percentage of the the asset going forward. Um, that's thought to be worth some two million sterling to the group on a standalone basis. We then come to of course Nevada, where the uh, where the company has a range of assets, including the Pyramid Gold Silver Project. The Paymaster project, the uh, um, the um, the Paymaster project, the uh, Mount Tovin Silver project, the Pegleg Polymetallic project, um, and uh, the Brunton Pass uh, Copper project, uh, and a raft of others. But 
the focus has been, as I say, on the Pyramid Project, where um, it was announced yesterday by the company that um, further work was being undertaken um, following the, the find on the North Ruth Silver Discovery, which was a 45-metre continuous thickness of mineralization grading 61 parts per million of silver, which is basically 1.78 ounces per tonne, um, and also a smattering of gold too. So um, so the company is uh, continuing trenching work there, and it's um, it's undertaking further soil sampling, which has um, unveiled 0.7 grams per tonne of gold and 9.3 grams per tonne of silver. So, so the find does seem to be uh, extending at uh, the Pyramid Silver Project, um, and the company are actively building on this. Um, now, this is exciting, of course, because uh, you know I mentioned with Power Metal um, just now, the the uh, um, a find like this could dwarf the current market cap. Well, the tertiary minerals market cap is currently three point four million. So there's absolutely no premium in that price at all for the find that they've announced already. And of course, if this happens, um, if they if they develop this, um, it could well that they could well find through the additional trenching work and the additional work, soil sampling work that the actual asset is much bigger than at first thought. Um, added to that, they've got the other assets which are being worked on and developed too. So um, I think we're in for a very exciting second quarter with tertiary, but. Um, at uh, at below 0.3p, the 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 actual value in this is it's hard to hard to ignore. Um, and I, I I believe during the second during the second half of the year we're going to see news that will materially change that valuation. But also I think it, there will be a recovery in small cap micro cap mining stocks during the second half of the year, which will um, also drive the share price higher higher for tertiary as well. I'm just just looking here, Alan, at their most latest update. Now, this isn't a completely pre-revenue exploration company, is it? There was a very small amount of of, of revenue. The operating loss was two hundred twenty thousand. Uh, revenue eighty one thousand. So, you know, looking at that revenue figures, they're obviously very early stage in, in in what they're doing in their life cycle. Is there sort of potential from that production or wherever that revenue is coming from at, at this point in time to that increase um, going forward to then sort of cover those operating losses, which will probably then um, reduce any concerns about funding and, and further raises of capital going forward? It's always difficult with a mining company to to ascertain, uh, um, you know, whether revenue uh, or, or income like that can be maintained. But um, as I said, with the calcare, with the uh, with the with the calcare asset in Finland, they have the agreement with uh, following the sale to Orion Resources. If Orion develop that um, uh, further, then it will generate some income for the company going forward. And there's also an agreement, I believe, that. Um, uh, Orion can buy that um, that that the rights from Tertiary anytime for one million dollars um, up to the point that they start to develop the mine. So so that there's that potential there as well. Um, the company also announced uh, recently a new venture in Zambia, which uh, you know is is in its infancy, um, and there's been no news or developments on the ground from that yet. But um, but but. Uh, Given that uh, Tertiary is run by a very experienced team, which includes Patrick Cheatham, who's been in the industry for many years, of course, is also the CEO of Sunrise Resources. Um, Mike Armitage, who is um, 
chairman of SRK Consulting, mining consultancy company. Two very experienced people there at the helm of this business. Um, I don't think uh, tertiary is going to be at this level for much longer. Yes, and, and certainly mentioning there about uh, funding, they did seem fairly funded, fairly well funded at the end of uh, the last period, yep. just over yep. 700,000 in the, in the bank, which would cover, um, you know, at, at current burn rates, um, a good 18 months or so. So uh, particularly mm-hmm. interesting. And, and again, one worth having, uh, having a look at um, there. So just as a recap of the equities that we've discussed today, initially was Barclays uh, with a ticker of B. ARC. Then it was Power Metal Resources, trades under the ticker of POW, and just then was Tertiary Minerals, trading under the ticker of TYM. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just uh, just as a note, anybody listening to this and wants some more insight on Apple and Alphabet, we touched on in the beginning, there will be some articles on the UK Investor Magazine website Uh, which drills down into the ratings in a little bit more detail. So do check those out. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk. 